Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Well, here's what I want to do before I get into the message. I actually want to share a little bit with you uh, connected to this card that was on your seat when you came in. So if you can pick this card up and, 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 and kind of be looking at it as I talk for a minute. I'm actually not beginning the message quite yet, and I will in about five minutes. I need five minutes to kind of talk about something that's sort of uh, important and big about what we're doing. And so some of you have noticed some additional communication we've been putting out about, hey, big Sunday, big Sunday, big news. We got more things coming. We, you know, we almost, you know, contracted a telemarketer to call each of you personally, but... <laughs> We thought, nah, we probably shouldn't do that. But um, here's the thing. We want to share some important news, uh, uh, kind of continuing on what we shared last week and our announcement that we were going to begin having our Sunday gatherings in the Tower Theater. And uh, we're very excited about that. There's a lot of vision around that. And a lot of what we are doing is we are starting a campaign in 2020, and uh, it is called Let There Be Light. And we are going to be talking about a lot of things connected to our vision and uh, the next two or three months are actually going to be very important. Even though this is a 2020 all-year campaign, the next two or three months are important because this is when we begin. It's specifically in November. This is when we launch, and there's a lot of things we want get, to get started in a good way with this thing, and so you're going to hear about a lot of things that are coming up quite quickly. But I want to just make sure you understand what this even is. There's three things that the Let uh, There Be Light campaign is. One, it's a campaign to share our vision of what the church is in the future. And when I say the church, our church, and some of these things are going to be what we feel like are really cultural things for the church in the future. So this is a vision for the future. That's the first thing that we feel like is happening and what we want to do in 2020. The second thing, there is a financial campaign connected to this. There's a lot of things that go around that, but we are going to be doing a 12-month financial campaign between January and December of 2020. Well, a lot of, where a lot of us will make a commitment over and above what we normally give. Some of us will begin to commit to give for the first time. And we don't talk a lot about money around here because uh, we just teach what Jesus teaches in the Bible about money. But every once in a while, we know that there's, there's vision or there's things that we want to do that, of course, um, us working together to raise some dollars would be a really, really good thing. And that's the second thing. And the, number, and the number three thing that this whole thing is about is we want to share our story kind of externally with our city and with our community about what God is doing here. And we want to be able to have, if you will, an external campaign in the next um, number of months to where we get the word out about our move to the tower, why we're doing it, and addition to that, these other pieces of vision that we'll talk about in just a little bit today. So, I want, to, I want to get you familiar with a few key dates. So if you just look at the back of that card, you're going to see some dates that I want you to know what's coming. And you'll see today that we're officially launching this, this campaign. And then November 10th, which is next Sunday, we have a family meeting. And that's at 4.30 next Sunday. And what that is, is we are coming together for those who are interested, want to know the nuts and bolts of really what's going on. We will not only talk about the vision a little deeper, but we'll talk about, of course, uh, this financial piece to this whole thing um, a little bit more. And I'll just say this, if you're new here today, if you're, this is your first time, you're getting to kind of obviously see a little bit of just some things that are going on within our church family, so welcome, and I'm so glad you're here, and you're just going to get to hear that we are going after it in Oklahoma City, I just want you to know that, all right? And so here's the thing, uh, on November, so that's next week on November 10th, we're having a family meeting, and if you come to OKC Community, you're invited to come to that. November 22nd, 
we have a vision dinner, and this is something we've never done before, but a vision dinner at the Civic Center Music Hall, and we're very excited about this particular dinner, and I'm hoping that today, together in this room, we'll even capture the picture of what we're trying to do. A lot of you know that the Civic Center and the Hall of Mirrors is where we began as a church about six and a half years ago. And so to return to the place we began and to have a special dinner is kind of exciting for us to go, we're gonna talk about the future and the place that this whole story began, at least our corporate gatherings began. And so that place is specific and, and helpful and kind of even that, um, our vision in that. But with the dinner on the 22nd, this is a vision dinner event. It's sort of one of those things which we want to invite all of you to come. It is a ticketed kind of catered plated dinner. It's sort of the, when you go to a fundraising dinner sort of thing, it's that, but it's going to be our spin on it, and we hope it's going to be very, very impactful. But we're going to have a nice evening together. We're hoping to have a lot of us there, but we also are encouraging you to invite a guest to come. Because a lot of you know that we, of course, have our church organization, but we have another nonprofit entity that actually owns this building and does a lot of the work that we do beyond the walls of this church. But we've never activated that ministry from a standpoint of funding and things like that. And so one of the things that we're going to be doing is we're going to be inviting guests who are friends of OKC community, who care about the city, who care about what's going on, and say, hey, we want to be a part of this as well. And so we see that our vision is bigger than our resources. We see that our vision is not just reside, it doesn't just reside in these walls or with just this church body, but we feel we've been called to do something in the city at large. And so that's why we say invite a friend to come to this. And I, I'm hopeful we'll have church leaders and friends and family and all these sorts of things that come to this, this event for this particular night. And it should be a really, really great night. And so anyway, with that, um, we're only 19 days away from that dinner. And today at the end of the morning, we'll give you kind of some resources that we would hopefully uh, help you, kind of encourage you to not only be a part of it, but maybe even at a higher level, bring someone along with you. So what we're saying today is with this particular event, we're saying we'd love for you to come. We'd love for you to be there. And we'd love for you to prayerfully consider others to come with you. And finally, on December 4th, not finally, but the final thing I'll talk about now We'll have, that's a Wednesday night, we'll have the opportunity, hopefully, to absorb the vision, prayerfully consider our part in it, and then we're just going to give all this to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, we just want to commit this all to you, and so that'll be a special night on December 4th, and that will sort of catapult us into 2020. So, if you're wondering, okay, this financial, how much are we trying to raise, all that kind of stuff, I'll be talking about that in the coming weeks, especially at the family meeting. Uh, we'll get into some of those details, but today my, my plan is that I get you familiar with the game plan. This is what we're doing over the next few weeks and share a little bit about what is, it, what is the vision. So that's the plan. Sound good? Yeah. I hope so because that's the plan. <laughs> so here we go. Hey, I, um, I want to pray. I want to pray and I want to pray for our, our time, the rest of our time this morning, but I just want to pause and sort of breathe in the Lord a little bit. We kind of been going 90 miles an hour in a good way today. Let's just pause for a moment. Invite the Spirit to come and just allow whatever we come when we read the Word today for it just to speak to our hearts. Amen? So would you bow your heads with me? And let's just uh, take a moment. And I'm just going to say that prayer we say often around here, but come Holy Spirit. Come into this room. May your presence rest on each of us. We know you're already here, but we ask you to come with more power and more love. 
Lord, as we look at your word, may you you speak to each of us as only you can. We pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, let's get to the word, shall we? If you have a Bible, it'll be on the screen, but if you have a Bible and you want to look at it, we'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And if you are new with us, we've been for this whole fall looking at um, the letters in the New Testament, specifically Romans through Hebrews. We're reading through the Bible together. I, I say through a portion of the Bible. We're reading through the New Testament. There's Bible reading plans. A lot of you are reading that each day, and we think it's awesome. We want to get everybody in the Word and reading. And then on Sundays when we gather, we're teaching from these letters of Paul. And these letters were addressed to cities, were they not? They were addressed to cities like Rome and like Ephesus and like Corinth. And so there was a message to the city that Paul was giving in an ancient time. And he, today, we get to read these letters to those cities, and there's a message for us and a message for our city. And we believe that not only when we read God's word do we find and see those messages to, to us as his people, but we also continue to see God at work in our city in this time. We believe God is up to a lot of really cool things these days. We're seeing him do really good things. And so that's where we're at. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 1. Here we go. Therefore, since through God's mercy, everyone say God's mercy. God's mercy. We have this ministry. We do not lose heart. Paul encourages the church in the city of Corinth. He says, friends, we've been given this ministry of God, and it's by his mercy that he's given it to us. So for context, let me explain this a little bit. There's this new church, right, in the city of Corinth. There are a bunch of new believers. And this is, of course, ancient Greece. If you don't know where Corinth is, it's in Greece. It's, uh, I don't know, they probably enjoy all sorts of Greek foods, baklava, other things. They're doing their thing in Greece. And here they all, Paul comes in, the gospel comes in, and he's writing a letter to them after he's visited them. He's writing a letter to them to encourage them in this new ministry that they've been given and that they are now to do in their city. And he's talking about this, and Paul is saying, it's not, it's not a demand of God that you do this. It's not, he's not commanding that you do it. It's actually a gift, if you will, of his mercy that he's giving you the ministry, which is not how you normally think of it, right? Often we think about the ministry as, oh, the ministry's hard. The ministry's sort of a job. The ministry's sort of something that God gives us to do, and we feel this compulsion or this guilt or this pressure to go and do something for God, and this ministry becomes something that doesn't feel like a gift. You know, they lived in a world in which there was a kingdom, and the kingdom of that day was, of course, Rome, and that emperor would tell people, and he would call people into his ministry, wouldn't he? But what was that ministry all about? It was about amassing more power. It was about him becoming greater. But here we have a God who doesn't need any more power. He's got it all. He doesn't need anybody to raise up his name any bigger because he's the biggest and greatest name of all time. He's actually inviting us into his ministry, not for his own sake, but for the sake of the world. And this is what he's calling us into. This is the kind of ministry that he's calling us into. And it's because he's enlisted us in this because he loves us. It's an act of his mercy. And I think we've often got this one sort of messed up. It doesn't always feel that way, like I said. But because he loves us, he invites us into what he actually does. He, he, he says, I'm going to share my power with you. I'm going to share my secrets with you. I'm going I'm to share, share my good work with you. I'm inviting you in. This is an act of my mercy and love for you. 
And because I, of my mercy, I give you this ministry of the gospel. And I hope today, if you follow Christ, you would see your role that you are in the ministry. And it, you are actually in, the, we are all in the ministry together, those who claim Jesus. We are in it. This is, there's not people who are in the ministry and people who are just Christians. Do you understand that? We are in the ministry together and it's an act of his love that allows us to do it because he actually believes that what we're doing will actually make our life better. He's like, I got a good plan for you. Just get a part of my ministry and maybe your life will actually feel better than the one that's a, a life that's just focused on your own self. Then he says, that's a really good point, by the way, isn't it? That's why I said it. Just kidding. Uh, then he says, we do not lose heart. In other words, we will not quit. <laughs> we will not throw up our hands. We will not throw in the towel. We will not say, oh, I can't do this anymore. Paul goes on to say, if you keep reading the scriptures, this will not be easy. This will not be perfect. How many of you guys would agree that doing the ministry of the gospel is not easy? Anyone? How many would agree that you don't always do it perfect? Anyone ever feel like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Your heart is right. I'm going after it, but then you totally mess it up. I've done that so many times. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to do this right, God, but I can't always do it right. I mess up all the time. And he understands that. He knows that. But how many of you also know that we can't lose heart? Even when it's not easy, even when we don't do it perfect. We lose heart and stuff all the time, do we not? I, uh, not that long ago, I guess just last year, I remember we had a vision for our family to begin exercising. And I don't mean like I had a vision. I don't mean like Chrissy. We're like, what if we got our whole family exercising? Which is a, we have a five-year-old and a nine-year-old, among others. Um, <laughs> and I was like, let's, go, let's start jogging together. Like, that's a great idea. Right. And so we're going to go running. And so we get our kids out like literally a five year old, nine year old. And we're going to go jog together. And when we were jogging, it was more like jogging. It was so sophisticated. And so we were jogging and I'm like in the first jog, my heart began to wane. <laughs> By the third jog, I had completely lost heart. We were done. And we do this all the time, right? We lose heart for things. We are a generation that gets fired up about stuff and then we lose heart for it. We do this all the time. And here's, here's the thing, Paul is saying, it's not just about, uh, this, is, this is way bigger than exercise or being healthier or the other things we get fired up about. He's like, no, 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 we can't lose heart on the ministry of Jesus. But here's what I know is that it happens for so many of us. We lose our passion or our zeal. We lose our focus and we decide, that, we decide that the ministry is just maybe not what we thought it was or we think that, you know, maybe I can just hang my hat on my beliefs and not worry about the actions. I believe all the right things. That's all that matters. And we get busy. And even as believers, we can get clouded with darkness. And perhaps today you need to be encouraged that you can't lose heart. Don't lose heart. I want you to skip down to verse uh, number four. Verse number four, it says, it says this, Satan, who is the God of this age, which is like, what does that mean? It, it means that Satan had, does have some level of dominion and power over this world, does he not? He is the God of this age, little g. He's the one that has influence that he shouldn't have. And this is what it says. He has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news 
They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Haven't you guys ever encountered this? Where, 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 where the work of the enemy is blinding people, and you're like, how do you not see what God's up to? How do you not see God working in your life? How do you not see Jesus and his goodness? And they just can't see it. The enemy does that. The enemy is the one who's veiling the truth. And he's veiling them in darkness, right? And he says, no, 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 there's, there's a light of God. And then it says, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. No, 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 this isn't about what we're doing. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and that we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. We're servants for Jesus' sake. This is the ministry that we're in, right? And then look at this. The next verse says, for God who said... Let there be light. Everyone say, let there be light. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts. So Paul makes it simple. He says, listen, the world is cloaked in darkness and they need the light of God. And it's gonna take people who are gonna go say yes to this ministry and say, yes, I will not lose heart. It's gonna take people to go and be the light that are gonna go and shine his light into the darkness. This is something we all know if we know uh, anything about uh, the gospel. We know this is, this is the narrative. This is the story of what Jesus said and this is what the church has been doing. And just as God said, let there be light. We have to declare over our city, let there be light. Let there be light in our city. Let, the light, let there be light of Jesus that, that brings life into the world, and reveals truth and dispels darkness. Paul makes it plain and simple. And I hope that over the next couple months, even as we step into this season that we're about to approach, that we can make it simple. That we want to declare, let there be light. We want to see more people coming out of darkness and into the light and just as God declared it, that we would declare it, and that we would declare light in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces and in, yes, in our city, but even in our families and even in ourselves, Lord, let there be light, amen? And so I, I, I think, you know, as we begin this campaign, I just thought I'd touch a little bit on this vision, but I, I realized that we're doing a campaign in 2020, which is the year of campaigns. <laughs> you know, like Trump 2020, Biden 2020, Kanye 2020. I mean, <laughs> I think it might be a thing, and I joke, but praise God about his change in life. Amen? So um, I'd vote for him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I would. Um, <clears throat> we have our own campaign, and it's called Let There Be Light. And, and the vision that we believe we are doing um, is because we believe of God, because of God's mercy, we have a ministry that we have been given and that we're supposed to do. So I want to talk about this 2020 vision, let there be light. There's four movements I want to touch on just briefly, and I want to unpack. And, and listen, I can't touch it all today or talk about it all today. This is going to be like a flyby, if you will. But movement one of what we feel like God is calling us to do in 2020, that is in addition to the things we already do. And one of, the first one is very simple. Movement one is the Tower Theater, which is indeed a movement. It's not just a place, and it's, there's a movement is it, that's going to put into motion many, many things for our church we'll talk about as we move forward. Movement number two is to get younger. Movement number three is to advance church unity. And movement number four is to love the city. And over the next month, you'll hear more about each one of those movements. And uh, I'll touch very quickly on each of them and why 
we are raising the temperature of importance around these. But when I talk about movement number one being the Tower Theater, we feel like the next chapter for us begins with the move into the Tower Theater. And here's the thing, we've, the move into the Tower Theater is no small feat, as I mentioned last week. And if you weren't here last week, the story of God doing this is it is truly miraculous. It's not one of those like, oh, we figured it out. Like, oh, this is, this. it's what God has been doing for seven years. And we can see his work at hand through this journey. And it's significant for those of us who've been a part of this journey. It's a significant uh, thing that God is doing. But it's no small feat for us to do a number of things. One of the, the least of which is to put a doorway, of course, through Pony Boy, the bar there, and into the tower, which might make you wonder, if we're going through the bar, will there be mimosas on Sunday morning? <laughs> And the answer to that is maybe. Um, so <clears throat> we know, we know that as we create more space, it will reach more people. And here's what I believe about that. I wrestled with that for a long time because you can reach more people without more space. There's, God is bigger than a building, God is bigger than space, but we felt so compelled through the story of what God has been doing that that is his plan for us, that he is actually gonna use the tool of giving us more space, specifically that space, to reach people who are hard to reach. And so we are declaring that, hey, we'll let there be light in this city through the place that has, is famous for its lights, right? And it's neon lights that we can say, yes, we're gonna have more space. By the way, we get to quadruple in size in that place. We aren't saying we will, we're just saying that's what we're doing is we're getting more space for more people. Movement number two, get younger, which you may be thinking, okay, is this my cue to leave? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. We need every person, every age, every, we need it all, but we must think younger. We must act younger in so many different ways. And here's why, because we know that if we're gonna reach more people, because by the way, everything about this 2020 vision is about reaching more people. That's what it's all about. That's what everything in this church right now is aimed towards, and we believe it's going to happen. And so here's the thing about why I say focus or get younger. Did you know that Generation Z is the most unreached generation in the history of, of our country? And Generation Z represents the kids that are ages 6, 7 years old up to 23, 24-year-old. Millennials, I'm sorry, you're old. <laughs> I'm just kidding, you're not. I'm a Gen Xer. I can't talk, really. Um... But here's what we must remember. This is not only our, our generation of kids and young adults now, but over 83% over of believers come to know Christ before the age of 19. A lot of us know that, but you also know this, that only 2% come to know Christ after the age of 29. We know that if we're gonna talk about the church of the future, it has to involve young people. It has to be like, how do we aim our ministry, our strategies, and the vision that we have towards getting younger? And so it begins with elevating our focus on local schools. We've obviously done that a lot over the years, but we know we have to get out of the church and we have to go to them. And that's always been our heart, but we're going we're gonna to amp that up even more, not just to serve the schools, which we will continue to do, but to actually build relational bridges with schools. And we even have some of that ministry happening as an extension. I look at the McLarens over here, and they're reaching hundreds of kids through Youth for Christ. There are things happening right now in our city that are, that are glimpses and, and patches of light in a, in a very dark situation. And so we want to see more of that. We want to extend the light of Jesus 
into our city. And it begins with our local schools. We must go to the students. It also is a new commitment for us in the area of college ministry. In 2020, we're going to make a first concerted effort to say, let's get serious about getting on college campuses, specifically starting right here with our heart on Uptown 23rd at OCU, but also the other local universities that are right here in Central OKC, whether they be health science centers, others. We know that we have to actually go after them. They're not just going to, they're not just going to find Jesus without someone taking him, uh, someone going to them and telling them about Jesus. And so we are going after that, and there's a lot of strategy we'll talk about more in the future, but I can talk about this one for hours because I'm very passionate about it. As parents, we see the need. We must get younger. Anybody with me? All right. Movement number three. There's like seven of us that are with the younger thing. Cool. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> Movement number three, advanced church unity. And this one's very, there's a lot to talk about with this one. And a lot of us are like, well, why is that important? Uh, you, if, if you are going to just pay attention to what God's been doing at OKC Community, this is one of those things we feel that we've been called to do in our city, to be a place of peace and a place that unifies and a body that unifies the church. And if you've been around here, this is the work that God's been doing. And it's been said that the most divided and segregated hour of the week is on Sunday morning. And, and we got to do something about that. We have to lean into unifying the church because we know that the, what we're up against in this post-Christian culture is it's going to just continue to get harder and harder. We are not going to be a place of privilege and power with the church. We are going to be a place in the margins in which we have to work together more in the future than we've ever worked together in the past because we are better together as the church. Amen? Amen. And so we must lean into this, whether that be strategies such as the things we've done like a day with where we've gathered 120 church leaders together to pray and hope for revival, whether that be citywide worship nights like we've done. We're going to do more of those. We have one scheduled already, and we're going to do things like that, but we also want to create, an, in 2020, we want to begin what we would call sort of a ministry leadership program where we're raising up church planners and church leaders and other things like that because we know that if we're going to do all these things, it's for the sake of this. Not If we're just doing it for the sake of unity, that's great. We're doing it for the sake of reaching more people, though. I just want you to know that. We aren't going to raise the banner of unity. We're going to raise the banner of Jesus, and we're going to raise the banner of saying we want to see more people come to know Christ, and we know that we're better together if we do this. And so this is something we feel like is a call on our church, and we have to, we have to be obedient. Now, movement number four is love the city, which is something we've talked about here before, and it's kind of not new language, so to speak, but we want to take it up a notch in 2020. We're always finding new ways to love and serve our city, but here's the thing. We want to start right here with how we love the neighborhoods around us in Uptown 23rd and our district that we're in. But in addition to that, how do we love not just the parts of the city we already love, but the parts of the city we're more unfamiliar with, whether that be South OKC or Northeast OKC. What are we doing in 2020 that starts saying we are done with this sort of, you know, bubble mentality. We are going to reach uh, further in the city. And we're going to love our whole city. And so we're going to work into that, and those are things that I'm just giving you the, the big picture of, the strategy that we want to form with you. We don't have all the answers. We don't have a think tank that we exclude everybody from. This is something we will do together. So those are four things we're officially placing under our Let There Be Light campaign, and there's so much more to say about each of those, but here's what's crazy is that all those four things are going on, but we're still doing everything else we always do. <laughs> we're still doing... What we do here on Sundays, we're still doing student life. We're still, we still believe in the, in, the, in the transition we're making in community and equipping and alpha and the other things that we're doing that we believe really are also about the same purpose, reaching more people. And so everything in 2020 is about that. And uh, we must get younger. We must advance church unity. And we must love our city to reach more people. 
Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 22. He says, I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I, I want this to be what my life is about. I want this to be what our church is about, and I hope this is what, what you want you, your life to be about. And here's what I know is that God, God gives us all purpose, doesn't he, in life? A lot of us are still trying to figure out that purpose. And, and he gives each of us unique ways in which we carry out the purposes in our life. I know that some in the room, if I was going to say, hey, how, who are you? How are you designed? What's, what's your makeup? You know, what's the person you are? And some are going to be like, oh, I'm a very creative person. I love, I love doing things in a creative way. Some are going to be like, I'm a visionary person. I love to like see the big picture. I'm, a, I'm, just, a, I'm just a kind of a... The, you know, the person that likes to help other people out, or I'm the person that likes to really be the caring, nurturing person. And there's all these different ways that we operate in the world, right? And sometimes we, we connect those unique parts of our personality and who we are to our purpose, and we'll think, well, must, I must be, you know, I must go be the creative person, or I must go be the helper person, or I must, and, and, and we live in a world in which there's so much placed on, on us and our minds, like, I gotta figure out my purpose. And understand where, where this becomes a, a challenge is that we, we, have, we have splintered purpose into all these individualistic pursuits. Individualism is an all-time high in our culture. And so we all are trying to figure out who we are as an individual and what my unique mark in the world is, which is so important. And I want to continue to, to further that God has uniquely designed you and, and, and he's releasing you into your ministry. But we, we've splintered something because there's a universal purpose we all share together that sometimes we forget about. And it's the ministry of Jesus to reach more people. And that when we try to do that on our own, guess what? It's going to be hard. We're not going to do it perfect. But when we try to do it together, man, God can use that to usher in a new era in a place and in a city. And that's why when Paul goes to a city, he speaks to the believers and says, this is what we're called to. We cannot lose heart. I believe there are we are ready to partner with God like number before with a renewed passion for evangelism, which is something we're always about, but an impassioned sense of urgency for the sake of our, of the sake of our King. I want to be better. I want us to be better at reaching people who are hard to reach. People of all race and socioeconomic status and people who are all over the city. You know, most people say, hey, so are you really good at reaching people around you? I'm like, well, I hope so but I kind of want to reach people anywhere, any place, to be honest. And they're like, oh, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, just not, I'm just not about a certain type of person or a certain place. I'm about all people everywhere. And I think we should all be that way. God has given us a vision that is bigger than ourselves, that is bigger than this church. And it's about a city. And I don't know why, why he's given. I mean, I really, I, I'm being really honest. I don't know why I feel such a call on this church. Maybe it's because I just believe in you. I don't, think, I don't think that's it. I think it's literally the Lord is saying, this church needs to step in to something together. This church, this church is important for what God wants to do in the city. It does not disparage other churches. It does not put us in a different category. That's not what it's about. It's about us just being honest with ourselves. What is the ministry that God has called us to? 
First or Second Corinthians, I want to go back to that for just a moment. Second Corinthians chapter four. I read the first verse, but I want to skip down to verse 15. He says, so taking all this into consideration, right? He says, all of this is for your benefit. Whose benefit? <laughs> it's for your benefit, which is so interesting because I think when we do ministry, we think it's their benefit. And he says, this is for your benefit. Guess what? God is actually intelligent enough and smart enough and creative enough to make it for their benefit and your benefit when you do ministry. He's like, this is for your benefit. I want to give you a better life and I know how to do it. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, what are we doing? We're trying to reach more and more people. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be a great thanksgiving with turkey and stuffing and it's going to be great. No, no, no. A great thanksgiving with something will well up within us that just kind of comes out. I mean, the original Greek word for thanksgiving here actually means thanksgiving. <laughs> it's, it's, it's this understanding that there is something in us in which we would well up with praise and gratitude for the things that God has done, that the things that he's called us to do, that when we do this ministry, that we actually, we actually are thankful that we get to do it. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I give you praise. And what does it say right after that? It says, and God will receive more and more glory. You know, we have a human condition, right? And it's a condition that we often fall victim to in which we steal the glory of God. We take credit for the things that God does in this world. We take credit for the ministry he does even at times. And he's saying, no, in this, in this, in this paradigm, in this picture, it's that we will well up with thanksgiving and that God will receive more glory. Don't you wanna live a life like that? See, I think for most of us in here, we want to live a life in which we are, we are going after the ministry that God's called us to. We are living thankfully, and we are seeing God receive the glory. Amen? That's what, that's what this is about. And then he ends this little verse right here. He says, therefore, he says it again, we do not lose heart. I'm not reading the verse I read earlier. I'm reading another verse. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Once again, Paul says this. Paul writes this letter to a group of believers in an ancient city and tells them God has given you a ministry because he loves you. God has given you a ministry to benefit you. It's an act of his grace. And as you do the ministry of God's grace, I will reach more and more people and you are gonna well up in thanksgiving and your life is gonna be full and it's gonna be better and it's going to have more purpose and fulfillment. And then there's going to be this resounding praise and glory given to God in your city. This letter was written to a group of people a long time ago, but I think for us, we can say this is clearly written to us as well. This is written to us and to our city. So I just want to ask you today, is there an area of your life in your life with God in which you would say, I've just lost some heart, to be really honest. I've lost some passion or some zeal. Maybe you've lost the ministry that you once had. Maybe you've lost faith in God. Maybe you're here today and it's been a while since you've been to church and you just needed to hear this today. Don't lose heart. I think a lot of people have lost faith or if you will, heart for the church. 
And we think, oh, the church isn't the hope of the world. Well, Jesus said it was. <laughs> Jesus is the hope of the world, and he's put that hope into the hands of the church. And we, together, are the church, the body of believers. That if we take up the ministry and we share the love of Jesus, we can't lose heart. And so maybe I just want to give you a moment to reflect on this question. And I'm, I'm just going to give you some time, even without me talking, um, to just stop and pause. So if you just bow your heads, uh, I'll introduce this question to you one more time. Bow your heads, maybe reflect on this question. Is there an area of your life with God that you've lost some heart? Is there an area of your life with God that you've lost some heart? It's going to give you a moment. right now you're already if things came to your mind and you're like yeah I feel like I've lost my passion or maybe I feel like I've lost that ministry that I once did or maybe I've maybe I'm losing heart to keep going I've been trying for so long it just doesn't seem to be making a difference I'm just losing heart I'm losing energy that's where you're at Paul acknowledged that ministry will not always be easy. Our faith will not always be easy. We won't always do it perfect. But I want to just pray a prayer of encouragement over you. So if, I just want you to receive. And if you just want to receive this today, maybe just put your hands out in front of you, kind of in a posture of receiving. As I pray and you're saying, yeah, I just need, I need to continue. I need to continue. I need, I need more. Father, I pray for my friends. The Lord, right now, you would fill them up with um, encouragement. Fill them up with your, your spirit and your love and your mercy. That God, as they struggle with maybe the area that you brought to their mind in just that one minute of thinking, where they don't want to lose heart. They don't want to back off. They want to keep trusting you. I pray right now you would just, uh, you'd just show them your love. Show them that the ministry you've called them to is an act of your mercy and your love for them. And that it's for their benefit just as much as for, their, for the, the people maybe that they're ministering to. And so, Father, I pray a prayer of encouragement over my friends today. With everybody's heads bowed, I just want to say, as we talk about reaching people, I, I, if there's anybody in this room that says, you know, I, I don't even know what my own relationship with God is like. I don't understand uh, the whole story of Jesus completely. I've struggled with it over the course of my life, or maybe you've just been thinking about it recently. I don't know, but I just want to make a really clear, simple call that's significant. It's one in which I say, do you want to become uh, a follower of Jesus? Do you, want to, do you want to make a decision in your life that changes kind of who you are and says that now I'm a child of God, I'm a, God, I'm a, I'm a person who follows Christ with my life and, and have surrendered my life to God. If that's, if that's something you want to do, I just want to lead you in a prayer. If you're, right, if you're ready for that moment, well, let's just do it. Let's just pray right now. 
And it's kind of a simple three little step prayer. And the first one is just this. You say, you just repeat what I pray here. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. If you wanna, if you wanna take this step, just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Just whisper that prayer. The second part of the prayer is just, we thank him. We thank Jesus. So just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins. And then the third part of the prayer is we just invite the Holy Spirit to come into our life. So right now you can just say, Lord, Holy Spirit, come into my life. Holy Spirit, come into my life. I invite you in. Holy Spirit, come into my life. If you just prayed that prayer, you just prayed a prayer that people have been praying for for centuries in the New Testament church that we would surrender our life to Jesus, that we give our life to Jesus, that we thank Jesus for the cross and for dying for our sins, and that we'd invite the Holy Spirit to come into our life. If you just prayed that prayer, I would say to you, that is a decision you're making that will change everything about everything. And we'd love to know it, so let us know if you prayed that prayer, come talk to us. But we want to just create a moment of, of reflection and continued prayer even this morning as we sing one more song and we declare, Lord, you can have it all. You can have all of our heart. You can have all of our plans. You can have all of our vision. You can have all of me. But Lord, today we want you to have it all. And so, my friends, would you stand with me? Our prayer team will be available. The altar's open for prayer. And we're going to worship together for just a few minutes. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.